Aesthetics is the branch of philosophy that searches for principles for defining beauty and art. Modern, new school aesthetics is a fairly new branch of philosophy that began to separate from other branches of philosophy with the philosophies of David Hume and Immanuel Kant. It then came into its own as a distinct contemplation with the philosophical contemplations of philosophers such as Arthur Schopenhauer and Friedrich Nietzsche and many Italian idealist philosophers such as Benedetto Croce. As with much of modern philosophy, New School Aesthetics is a development from the modern philosophical skepticism of our post-industrial and post-scientific revolution in our new technological society. Thus, New School Aesthetics is only about 200 years old, is a very young infant in the human endeavor that we call philosophy. As such, it still has a lot to learn, uh, almost everything to learn. There are a lot of ongoing struggles in its contemplations that need to be resolved that I will try to summarize. New school aesthetics is radically different from the old school aesthetics of the ancients and of medieval philosophy, in which aesthetics was not a separate branch of philosophy. The difference between old school and new school aesthetics is two-part. Number one, in old school aesthetics, unlike, unlike new school aesthetics, sense experience beauty was seen as being a reflection, usually an imperfect reflection of the rational beauty, of rational beauty or of divine beauty. True beauty and true art was seen to be in the creations of reason, such as mathematics, geometry, logic, the beauty of the platonic forms that existed outside physical reality, and so forth, and as discussed in prior podcast episodes. Whereas in New School Aesthetics, the sense experience, the particular sense experience that is a work of art, is given priority, and in much of present aesthetics, beauty is seen as truth that exists as an end in itself in particular art. Uh, second, uh, two, Old school aesthetics was used and was useful as a social construct unifying all social classes in society into one polis, as the Greeks would say, or one social body. Whereas modern aesthetics is used and is useful as an individual construct and as a social construct for dividing and maintaining the division of social classes in society. New school aesthetics, except in rare exceptions, is not a unifying force among the powers that be and the rest of us but as a means to separate us and to maintain a se separation. Uh, thus, in old school aesthetics, for example, we get statements such as, the aim of art is to represent not the outward appearance of things, but their inward significance. That's from Aristotle. Or as Plato said, music is a moral law. It gives soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and charm and gaiety to life and to everything. In new, in new School Aesthetics, we get statements such as this, uh, it is the reader and viewer who gives meaning to the art, not the artist. Or uh, this statement by the critic R.H. Fogel, a work of art has no meaning at all that can be abstracted from it. The most obvious example of old school aesthetics at work is the aesthetics of music and the visual arts such as architecture and painting. One of the most famous discoveries by the philosopher Pythagoras or by a school of philosophy in ancient Greece was that music notes or intervals are expressible in simple mathematical ratios. The ratios harmonize not only mathematically but musically. They are pleasing or beautiful both to the mind and to the ear. 
When all the mathematical ratios involved in geometry are added into the mix that were well known to the ancients because of classical architecture, there can be made an obvious conclusion that what is beautiful is beautiful because it is rational, logical, or has mathematical order. Also, old school aesthetics was a true social construct. It needed everyone in the polis or society to create beauty. The schools of philosophy were able to create the geometry and the necessary mathematical mathematics, but they needed the time and labor, labor of everyone down to the lowest slave creating the stone and using tools to make the beauty of the geometry or the mathematics come to life in art. And this was visually apparent and obvious to anyone engaged in society that it needed a cooperation from the top down in order to create beauty or any particular art. Even music and writing serve not only as beauty but also as a means of communication. For example, the poetic mathematical rhythm of such epic poems as the Iliad and the Odyssey allowed for their being memorized and passed down through the generations as a verbal tradition. Unfortunately, as Pythagoras and his school and other, as, and other ancient rational inquiries soon learned, as they got more into their contemplations, the simplicity of the rational truths evidenced in old school aesthetics disappears on further investigation and through the workings of history. Both in music and individual arts and in mathematics and in all aesthetics, as these arts got into more detail and complications, they were corrupted, so to speak, according to the ancients and according to medieval thinkers, by the ugliness of irrationalities such as irrational numbers and by indeterminacies and ambiguities in both numbers and language. Their theories that aesthetics was simply a reflection of rational order began to disintegrate. This, disintegrate, this disintegration came to complete fruition with the scientific revolution in the modern world in which rational, irrationality and skepticism toward knowledge and reason is, as, is everywhere and a foundation of modern philosophy as discussed in prior podcast episodes. The social construct aspect of aesthetics most significantly changed with the Industrial Revolution. Thanks to machinery and available empirical technique, any, any individual with a simple camera or access to machines such as a copier or a printer or now a computer can, spin out, can spit out as much beauty as they want. So, so aesthetics no longer was needed to be a social construct across an entire community, but could exist individually, solely as an individual construct. The upper classes no longer needed anyone to create beauty, or so they thought, which is really all that matters. And the workers no longer needed the powerful to create beauty. Thus we get individuals such as Andy Warhol, a genius con artist, who also became a genius aesthetic artist. Do not get me wrong here. I do not mean to ridicule or demean Andy Warhol or his art. Andy Warhol, a poor working class kid from Pittsburgh who was able to con rich people into paying him millions of dollars for signing blown up copies of Campbell's soup cans and Brillo soapboxes was a true genius of aesthetics. The upper class aesthetics of glorifying their individuality over the supposed lack of individuality of the hoi polloi. Now, I do not intend to ridicule New School Aesthetics either. Uh, new School Aesthetics is contemplating a serious problem that workers need to understand and perhaps also to contemplate. 
How do you make irrationality and ugliness beautiful? Mathematics has achieved this with its contemplation of irrationality, such as irrational numbers, chaos theory, imaginary numbers, and much more. How do you achieve such uh, beauty, especially rational beauty, in non-universals, that is, in particular, empirical expressions of individual artistic creations? How do you define these particular art through the social construct that is language? If there is a how, should we do it? That is, should we accept irrationality and ugliness as beauty, given the social consequences of thus making art a divider of social classes instead of a unifying force? Uh, we will hopefully contemplate these issues in the next couple of episodes. Thank you.